Kirby Shpaga. Welcome to the Git WebXR podcast, the show about the future of the web. If you're a content creator, a developer new to WebXR, or just curious, follow us for the latest news on tools, platforms, and experiences. Today on the show, we have Mike Jones, and he's going to talk to us about uh, his experience with WebXR. But before we get into that, if you could just introduce yourself and kind of let us know how you got into XR and what you're up to today. I am Mike, Michael Jones. I am the founder of BrainFizz VR LLC, startup that I founded in early 2015 uh, exclusively to work on VR projects. Uh, my background with uh, modern virtual reality XR uh, goes back to about 1996 when I bought my first uh, virtual IO eyeglasses, uh, PC VR HMD, off the shelf at Fry's Electronics. Um, went home, plugged it into my PC and started messing with it to see, you know, this magical world of VR. That's, that's about the time Lawnmower Man came out in the theaters, and so everybody was into VR, and we knew the potential was there. We knew we knew it was going to be cool, and we tried, and as you can imagine, the PCs back then, it wasn't so much a frame rate as it was a PowerPoint slideshow. Um, the trackers, I used to only describe as like power steering in a Cadillac. You'd move your head, and it would slowly come around behind you, and, and it's a so it wasn't the best, but it gave us a taste. It did get that 640 by 480 per eye resolution, the slow frame rates. It, even with all of that, it was still, you got a taste of the potential, what it was going to be like through that tiny little window on your face. And uh, I loved it. I thought it was great, but it also became very apparent to me that the hardware had a ways to go before we were going to get to a consumer product. So I was excited and sad at the same time because back then, 1996, I thought I'm never going to see this in my lifetime. I'm never going to walk in and just pick up a VR headset off the shelf. And here we are. Oh my Lord. You know, Oculus had their Kickstarter, got right in on that. Um, still have all my old original hardware and just got to it, started cranking stuff out. I was working at Google at the time uh, in Google Fiber. Uh, as a contractor. And uh, when my contract expired, I just said, you know what? I'm going to take a year and I'm going to see if I can get my startup up off the ground. And I had no idea what I was doing. There's a whole big, huge background. You've seen all the hardware and stuff that I've built. I've thrown so much poop at a wall with the name VR uh, attached to it just to see what I could do and what would stick and what might be a good product. I've done pitches, Launchpad, Boost VC, Rothenberg, everybody for all the different stuff I've come up with. And it's been fun. It's been a blast. I have this wonderful studio here in Santa Clara, 1,550 square feet of space. That's all my own uh, with a large, we were talking 20 by 20 uh, Steam VR tracked room scale space, multiple headsets, multiple PCs. And a lot of what I do is uh, business to business VR software applications. So I tend to focus more on the industrial side of things. That was by pure accident. Uh, I had a friend of mine that had, owns a business, had a very specific need where VR would definitely be a value add if I could put something together. I spent a couple of weeks throwing together a demonstration package. Uh, we brought his client in. The product worked wonderfully. And I've just been improving on that idea ever since. And uh, unfortunately, with COVID recently, that has kind of put a dampener on the product. So I've been pivoting to get it into more of a multi-user, multi-location, not so much come to my shop, we'll put you into the headset, but everybody just go get a Quest and we'll throw them on our heads or a Pico or a um, 
the Vive Focus Plus, whatever proprietary standalone headset you have that runs a web browser, and uh, we'll just load up this web page and jump into the application. That's what I've been focused on lately. So there's yeah, a, a rough rambling idea of what I, how I got into all this and what I've been up to lately. Man, you've been busy. Uh, yeah. I remember back uh, when Lawn Lawnmower Man came out as well. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of so crazy at the time. But like you say, I think a lot of us, you could see the future. Yeah. And not everyone tends to think that way. So either they think kind of two ways. Either it's going to be there tomorrow yeah. or it's never going to happen. But, you know, now we're uh, got pretty good equipment for you know, we've, 400, 500 bucks. We've exceeded my expectations so far. I mean, we've completely blown out of the water anything I expected of modern virtual or of actual modern virtual reality as we have it now compared to what my thoughts were of how it's going to work and what kind of computer you're going to need and what the potential use of uses for virtual reality are. We have it so good. It, I, it drives me nuts when I see somebody go, oh, the resolution of this headset or all oh, the field of view. And I'm just like, I want to shake them and go, you don't realize how good we have it. We, we don't just have one headset manufacturer. We have multiple headset manufacturers making multiple platforms fighting with each other to, to, you know, to get our money. I mean, that is the most amazing thing ever that I get to choose what kind of VR platform I want to support. So I have them all. I have them all. I would say the only thing I don't have in the shop is a Pimax right now. But I've had my head in their evaluation units and their demo models and just doesn't really fit a need for me right now. So I don't have one of their headsets. But you can bet I'm going to get a G2. I want to <laughs> check that out. I have yeah. the Index and my daily driver headset. As you, can, I know your listeners won't be able to see this, but hanging on the wall right there is my mm -hmm. original Kickstarter CV1. That cool. is still that's still my daily driver headset for developing. So if you look careful right up behind me where my finger is, you can see my third camera. So I can have full <laughs> room scale in my little office here in the shop. Other than that, let's see. Uh, that leads us to your next question. How much time a day do I spend in VR? Well, that depends. So like recreationally, I'd say at least a couple hours a day. I have various things that I goof off with. Uh, when I get a chance, I, you know, the Elite Dangerous is just incredibly relaxing for me. And I have that custom VR LFE chair that I built, you know, with all the powered features and controls and everything on it. So sometimes it's just nice to get in there and lock the world away, which is something VR is great for. Is once you put on that headset, not many outside distractions, which can be a good thing right. and a bad thing. I get yelled at a lot because I, I, was, I was calling you, I was texting you, I was sending you chat messages. What's going on? I was like, oh, it's in VR. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, I was too busy having fun. But uh, for work, oh God, like a couple of days ago, I spent about 12 to 14 hours in another headset while I was wow. working on something because I, I get focused. It was a web XR thing using a platform you and I are familiar with. And I just painted myself into a corner with a couple bugs. And I'm not the greatest code guy in the world. So it took me a little more time to figure out what was going on. I do continue to surprise that support team in the creative ways I can find to totally break their product. Uh, not intentionally. It's just I. nobody tells me not to try something when I do and the wheels fall off. Well, that's, that's my own fault. Are you primarily focused then with the B2B jobs using Yeah, that, using that's where technology? the money is, it turns out. <laughs> it turns out that you can actually make a decent amount of money in modern virtual reality if you can find a commercial use for VR 
that actually solves a problem. And, and when I used to mentor at Silicon Valley Virtual Reality, we would get people to come in and go, hey, I want to sell shoes and but in VR. And I'd be like, how's that better than what Zappos does already? Or I want to do X, but in VR. And I'm like, there are already a dozen other platforms on cell phones that do this faster and quicker than you can in VR. Well, make sure that whatever you're doing in modern virtual reality actually is a value add. And you're not just tacking VR onto a product. For my use case, I have a friend that owns a trade show booth manufacturing business here in the San Francisco Bay Area. He had a problem child client. The, that client was never happy with the 2D renderings or the photos or the proposed design of their booth. So they get to the trade show, set the booth up, and the client would go, ah, this isn't right. I, it, this doesn't look like what you described to me in the photos. So they'd have to make a bunch of changes, burn a bunch of labor and uh, mm -hmm. materials, rebuilding the booth to the client spec. And these booths are start out at like 50 grand and go up to like 250. If you've, you know, you've seen the stuff at OC and GDC and all that, those booths aren't cheap. And it's a lot of custom work to get it done. So he's all, hey, how about this? You have all those cool VR tools. If I send you the objects and models that we use in our CAD software for putting this together, could you import those into an environment if we give you the floor plan of the proposed trade show and stand their booth up for them so that they can come over, put a headset on, just walk around and tell us what they think? Well, not only could I do that, we could probably make the changes on the fly till the customer's happy with what they see. So we did. And I spent a couple of weeks building a nice environment, standing everything up, making it look like the trade show, having ambient noise, lighting. Uh, I took a look at who was actually on the trade show floor next to them. You, you always get the blueprint. And so I quickly like modeled what other booths would look like around them. You know, nothing more fancy than like just textured boxes, but it gave you an idea. Customer got in there and they were like, oh, wow, VR is amazing. They'd never worn a headset. They're just wearing my wireless five pro. And so I gave them the headset and one wand that worked as a laser pointer and had teleport features. And our room scale space here is 20 feet by 20 feet with a five foot buffer zone. So that's, it was almost the size of the trade show booth. So they were able to walk around naturally inside the booth and go after the new car smell of, Hey, I'm in VR wore off. Uh, they were like, you know what? These kiosks are too close together. Can we move those? So we tweaked those on the fly. Can, can we change out this trellis that goes over the top? That would be nice. And so we made these changes. Me and the manufacturer sitting right next to me, because I don't know anything about trade show booths, so I'm not a structural engineer. I can't say if I can make these changes, but they go, yeah, yeah, tweak that, move that, move that. Once we were done, all three of us had signed off on the design is good. I packaged it up, sent it back to my friend's engineer that does the manufacturing. And when they stood it up at the trade show, it was exactly as the customer had remembered seeing in VR, and it was perfect. He said it was his first time ever the client didn't have any additional changes required. So... That's me. And I know there are other people that are competing in that space. Like, let's, let's be honest, Autodesk, I know that they're working on something. I know there's other people trying to do the same thing. I found a niche. It works for me. And I've been doing that for uh, almost three years now. I don't oh, advertise fantastic. the service. I don't do anything else. It's all word of mouth. He talks to his friends that are local in the Bay Area that do similar things, and I do similar work for them, and I essentially bill for my time and services. And it keeps the lights on in this place. Uh, well, it did up to COVID. As you can imagine, with trade show booths, you need to have trade shows to take those booths, too. So with uh, pretty much everything on indefinite hold right now, luckily I have enough money banked up that I can float through this and use this as a re-education process and pivot on some of my stuff. Like uh, I've been helping people out with virtual trade shows. 
since I have this wealth of esoteric booth design knowledge now in my head, what works and what doesn't. So like uh, the stuff going on in VR chat with the markets, there's other trade shows uh, or I should say convention style platforms that people are working on where they need input for things like that. And I'm always willing to volunteer my time. So right now I'm not charging people for any of this consultation. It's just me helping helping people out to promote the idea and promote the product. Because once, if this does catch fire, we start doing 100% virtual trade shows, virtual conventions, virtual stuff. They're going to need people to build exhibits. I can build exhibits, no problem. I've attended a few uh, events in VR, some mm-hmm. of them really short, like a meetup. Yeah. you know, half hour kind of thing in alt space. It's not a well-rendered high, high res environment. You still get that sense of presence. Yeah, but, but what do you think about these virtual trade events? It seems like most of the people probably still watching a stream and yeah. then some percentage in a headset. So what would ha- have to happen next to, to really grow oh, that business? Man. It's okay, so... Multi-user environments in virtual reality kind of blow right now. My biggest complaint is the audio. Uh, audio never, audio is never right. So, like the museum of other realities, the more, the more has their audio close. It's not perfect, but theirs is by the best conversational audio I've heard, where it drops off naturally when you move away, and the positional audio for conversations and noises inside of their environment actually works really well. But a lot of places like AltSpace, I can't tell who's talking or where it's coming from. There's no uh, what I would call uh, normalization or equalization uh, for all microphones across the board. So you'll be leaning in really close. I don't know why you would lean in in VR because it doesn't make a difference, but I find myself leaning in to hear somebody talk and all of a sudden somebody with a super hot mic will be right next to me blowing my eardrums out after I rock my volume up to 100. So improve the audioscapes, improve positional audio for communication inside of environments. That would help a lot. Graphics, uh, as you said yourself, it's not really that big of a deal. Back in, what was it, 2013? Uh, do you remember Converge? That was uh, part of the team from um, uh, what is now Big Screen and uh, I believe Rec Room. It was um, Sean and uh, Hayden uh, created a little app called Converge. And it was right around the time of Rift Max and all that early stuff. We were literally all just like low poly head icons in these very simple around a campfire environments. And it was super low poly. But it was so well done, and that was the first real, hey, uh, let's all get together in VR and hang out thing, that that really provided a huge sense of presence, and I loved it. And I knew the potential was there, and it would just get better as we move forward. Yeah. VR chat has definitely shown that it is going to happen. Rec Room, I can't believe Rec Room is as big as it is. That is just amazing. So many people play it. The hilarious thing is we used to have like three or four. It was Alt Space Rec Room and VR Chat. That's that's what you get. Nobody else. Now we have so many people that have come and gone, like High Fidelity, Sansar. And then there's all these crypto-based systems like Decentraland. And I have friends that are going to kick my butt because, oh, Neos VR with Fruxus working on that. We have our choice of places to go and hang out and talk to people now. I wish they'd all get on the same page, and that's kind of what I was hoping out with WebXR, is that we would be able to mesh all of these wonderful worlds together and be able to go wherever you want through one tool, like a web browser, and carry your authentication, your user ID, your avatar, who you are, what you look like uh, in that virtual space across multiple platforms. 
Oculus kind of proposed that a couple of years ago when they were talking about their user authentication system that they're going to use that was going to work outside of stuff and import your user identities into these games that supported it on the Oculus platform. But I've never really seen anybody actually leverage that. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned high fidelity. Have you seen what, what they're doing now? Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I, I kind of can't say I didn't see that coming because this is a very hard space to compete in. Uh, social VR platforms, you really have to do it better than anybody else to, to maintain traction. I realized they came from Second Life. He's, I've talked to him personally. He's, that's Phil that's got a huge background with this stuff. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing, but I think they were too early. I really think that they're too early because they built this wonderful product. I mean, they had HFC, they had crypto that you could actually easily use inside the game to pay people, tip DJs, buy stuff. They had that up running and working long before I saw anybody else having anything like that going on. But let's be honest, how many times did I log into high fidelity on a regular basis? Not often. Mostly when there was a like a major update push and I'd jump in to check stuff out or Jasmine would invite me to a party or something like that in high fidelity or you'd go to see a talk. But I didn't use it. And I don't think a lot of other people did either. And I think that was a problem. You have your your niche users that focus on that platform and that's where they hang out. But I, I you don't have any like organic growth attraction. I don't think yeah. a lot of people knew what high fidelity was. Now, to pivot to a communication product, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you have all that wonderful IP that works beautifully. Don't let it go to waste. Do something with it. Definitely audio is a huge issue. You know, and and right now, like if you're on a big Zoom call or Google Meet or whatever, Uh, it can just get so frustrating when you get jitter and lag and all that happening. But in VR, it's even worse, right? Oh, yeah. It gets magnified. When you were mentioning about identities and being able to kind of have one identity that could represent you across multiple virtual worlds, different platforms. I also then thought about what the avatars actually look like. Do you have a thought on that? Like high fidelity, you could be anything you want it to be, but other places you're kind of a humanoid figure for the most part. I kind of like the VR chat implementation in that if you can build it, you can wear it. You know, within reason, you know, as long as it's not lewd or lascivious. If you want to walk around as a mailbox, you can. I have a VR chat avatar that is a TARDIS with a door that opens and closes when I talk. So, I mean, it just be whatever you want. That's the coolest thing about this medium is you don't have to be what you are in the real world. You can be ideally whatever you want. But that also runs into a problem. You need to be able to tie that protected identity back to a real identity. So if the person using the protected identity is being a naughty person out there in social VR, that you can make them, you know, you can say people need to be held responsible for their actions. And that is the toughest part. I wish I could say I have an answer. I don't. I don't I don't know what's going to win. I mean, every social VR system you use has some degree of uh, user control where who you friend, who can see what, what's done, um, <laughs> the, all the little sliders. The problem is, is they're never easy to get to. <laughs> the u- user interface is always horrible. So when you have somebody that's just driving you nuts and you want them to go away right now, there's no like, put your hand up that consistently works. I know some people actually have that implemented, but you're trying to punch through menus on a wristwatch or something else, or how do I block this person and make them go away? And 
maybe there needs to be uh, like an extension for audio. So you have some common commands or something, voice commands. Ah, you'd hope, but uh, having a uh, a shop full of voice controlled products, like t- none of them work good. Come on, let's let's be honest. These things are terrible. So if you, it, it, people think I'm nuts when I'm driving, but I'm honestly just screaming at the car to do what I want it to do. And it's just, you know, sorry. Can you please repeat that? Can you say it again? It's, I don't worry about the robots taking over because us humans program them. And boy, do we make a lot of mistakes. So right now, again, you know, getting back to this, having like a virtual conference idea, mm-hmm. all the major conferences worldwide yeah. had to pivot very quickly to do something online. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, kids can't go back to school, whether it's K to 12 or uh, college. Do you think education may be one of the enablers for better platforms? Uh, For sure. For sure. If we're moving forward, we're going to be living in a socially distanced world with no gatherings of large people into a large space. and You have to do the equivalent digitally. Those tools are going to be really handy. Will those tools be VR? Probably not right off the gate because a lot of people just simply don't have headsets. And the user interfaces and tools currently available for most of that stuff is pretty cumbersome. I mean, yeah, we're lucky in that we play with it enough that it seems easy for us. But uh, I don't know if you have relatives that you've bought headsets for, but I do. And I am tech support. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I get to observe your average standard user trying to do anything, just trying to get, you know, a family member or a friend into big screen that's not a VR developer and get them, you know, logged in and synced up with you or do anything else or just meet up in general with anybody. Go into Oculus Home and try to talk to somebody else. (laughs) You know, try to get them into your space. It's, you know, after 10 minutes, you're just like, ah, I don't want anything to do with VR. (laughs) (laughs) Tired of computers. Could we be seeing virtual classrooms, virtual education? Does it have its place? Yeah, honestly, I would... I would be a lot more immersed wearing a VR headset in a classroom and engaging with a teacher that looks like they're there with an avatar, with a mouth that moves, eyes that are tracked, hands that can gesture. I think that would be wonderful. It would definitely be a lot more engaging than a Zoom call uh, or any t- any of the current video conferencing platforms where you're supposed to learn stuff, but you know you're not going to because, I mean, come on, I'm in meetings every day and half the time I'm sitting there looking at my phone. Or doing something else on a different monitor and half paying attention. VR might be helpful there in that it, it really does add blinders to you. But would you want to wear a headset eight hours a day as somebody that occasionally Not does? right now. <laughs> I think for me, it, you know, 45 minutes is pretty good. Uh, I can do 15 minutes in my quest. I have, a, I have a standard quest and I have a quest that's my personal one with the deluxe audio space strap. Either headset, they just press me right in the forehead above my brow, and I get the massive migraine, and I I don't know why. The CV1 fits me good. I can wear a Rift S, just something about the Quest. I can't wear it very long, so I don't use it very much because it's painful. You're like the odd person for AirPods where they don't fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, okay, so that's weird because I don't wear those either. I don't like having things in my ear. I prefer over-ear headsets. But yeah, it's, it's my index is wonderfully comfortable. The Vive Pro is just oh, that thing pinches your skin. <laughs> it's not the best fitting headset. My original Vive with the DAS is amazingly comfortable. Like I used to wear that all day. But yeah, the the form factor and user interface has to come up a great deal for the general public to put these things on and keep them on. 
most people want to put them on for about five minutes to see whatever you're working on that you're so excited about. They take it off and go, yeah, whatever. And never think about VR again for the rest of the day. For me, I always like to think about privacy concerns and ethics and try to take that into consideration when I'm prototyping or, you know, imagining some system. But it seems so difficult because of the if we're building on top of the current web, you know, it's not 100 uh, percent a great experience for a lot of people all the time. And no, it's, it's so how, how do we make the metaverse, which is going to come next, right? The spatial web. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how we're going to make it better. Uh, it doesn't matter how awesome a boat you build. There's going to be people coming along drilling holes in the hole before you've even finished. And that, that I mean, staying ahead of uh, the exploits, especially in the web, where the, oh my, there's so much stuff that could cause so many security issues. Um, staying ahead of exploits, uh, web page of form exploits, web page exploits, certificate issues, things like that. Just trying to think off the top of my head, there's so many different ways you can break things in a malicious fashion and uh, scrape user data. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I, about two, three years ago, uh, when crypto was all coming out, everybody was like fun, trying to find different ways to use secure ledgers and to maybe use a user account system where everybody gets their unique wallet ID that's tied to you personally. And then you could use that to uh, authenticate using a trust-based system. And I worked on it, worked on it, worked on it. I never could get anything working good where I was just like, this is dumb. I'm just going to use Steam. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's take somebody else's product that they've put years and years of uh, development work into to try and secure and lock down their users and use that I mean, instead. And I mean, that's what Oculus is trying to do with, you know, here's our big thing. But now they've completely lost their mind. And well, I, I shouldn't say Oculus. Oculus doesn't exist anymore. I don't I don't have an answer how it's almost like we all need digital IDs, like a unique ID that's paired to you? I don't know, biometrically? Or are we heading towards Gattaca? Am I going to have to stick my finger on a thing that samples my DNA before I can log into my VR headset? I want to say no, but at this point, I'm not making any bets. Who knows where this is all going to go? But here's what sucks. I want to be anonymous online. I don't want because the world's filled full of weird people and some of them will come track you down. But also, I need my identity tied to that anonymous identity. And I need those two to be separate. I need people that know my anonymous identity not able to get to my real identity, but I need the service I'm using to be able to know who I am and that I am who I am and that I am a trustworthy individual. How do you make that work? I don't think anybody has a good answer because for every time somebody comes up with something, I, I generally come up with five ways to exploit it or get around whatever security measures they set up. It's interesting. Just recently, I was uh, taking a comp sci course, and one of the projects was thinking about cloud computing and this mm -hmm. fictitious company that basically their product is elections online. And it's like that the uh, that is a tough one because, like yeah. you say, it's all built around trust. My first thought is like the the guy, the Pokemon player in South Korea, the old guy with the bicycle, and he's got. 200 phones on it. I'm like, well, there's 200 votes right there. <laughs> that's that's a, you. You have to be able to biometrically tie an identification, an online identification back to the user. But mm -hmm. do it in such a manner that not anybody but the people that need that data get that data. And then yeah. 
how do you decide who should actually have access to that data? I mean, <laughs> right. And for how long and, yeah, you know, exactly. people are seeing that now, of course, with video being on YouTube forever. Uh, anything you put up is there forever. You know, folks lose jobs because something they said 10 years ago. Oh, I am glad I was born when I was. Oh, man. <laughs> I could think of all the dumb stuff that I did. But yeah, everything you do now is documented. We have to operate like we are being watched at all times. And that's why I tell people that are playing online games, too. I'm like, hey, behave yourself because you never know who's streaming. You never know who's got a video capture card running. Treat people as you would in the real world. You know, somebody disrespects you, let it go. Don't engage. Them. Protect your identity. Protect yourself online. Be careful. You know, assume everybody is recording you. Unfortunately, that's the way you have to operate out in the real world, the online world now. That's the way it has to be. How do yeah. we fix that? I have no idea. So we started by talking about Lawnmower Man when that movie first yeah. came out. And probably I'm imagining you watched a fair bit of maybe Star Trek and being able to you, you would see the crew just talking to a computer and things would happen. Yeah. And today we kind of call that ambient computing, spatial yeah. computing. Yeah. And exactly what you were talking about before, I want that stuff to work. But we're going to have to wait till accesses it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who has we're, I know Amazon has everything on me. Absolutely everything. You know, I have multiple Echo Dot 3s here in the shop and I have auto, a bunch of code that I wrote, a bunch of glue that automates everything in the shop. Security system, environmental controls, all of it runs through my Echo. And essentially that's I'm just trusting that they don't do anything horrible with with my data. I would hope that they would not, you know. They just want to sell me more stuff. Or I say that, but I don't know what's going on back. Play your cards close to your chest, no matter whose whose garden you happen to be in. Protect your data. Well, whoever figures it out is going to be like the world's they're, first yeah. trillionaire. They're they're <laughs> gonna they're gonna make all the big players right now look pale in comparison. I don't think a human will do it. I think general artificial intelligence. I mean, Carmack might kick the baby AI, you know, out out of the bird bird's nest, so to speak, so it flies on its own. If anybody has the potential to make uh, a general artificial intelligence work, it's him. I think, especially with the stuff we're seeing recently where you can describe, hey, I want my code to do this. And then the very, very basic AI on the back end goes, yeah, here's your code to do that, I think, maybe, I don't know. It, and it's been disturbingly accurate how, how well it can actually do it sometimes. So I think the first functional Star Trek level user interface will probably be written by uh, a general artificial intelligence. Humans will, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll just get the ball rolling and let the computers do the work. It's I, I at least once every couple of weeks, I send like Elon Musk a, a message saying, let the, uh, let the Silicon drive Elon. Come on, tag him in a Twitter post. Come on, let the computer <laughs> drive. The humans are horrible at it. Maybe just one more question. Again, everybody's talking about XR collaboration apps, platforms. There's dozens of companies now playing in that area, uh, trying to make tools better, the platform itself more responsive. Yeah. So far, do you have a favorite? Hubs like one that you use the most? Hubs and Discord. So okay. you, you hubs, they built in that tool where you could set up a, you could throw a robot into discord that would spin up a hubs channel for you. 
and like my personal Discord server that I have for the business, Hubs is running. If I want to use Hubs, whoop, hey, look, there's a browser link. I just click on it. Now I click on the VR icon and boom, there we go. Simple and effective. I like that so much. Yeah, you can't do a lot in Hubs. And yeah, it looks kind of crummy because, well, it is WebVR. That's where we are right now. But it works. It works. It actually works. And that's mm-hmm. the important part to me. I don't want to have to, you know, open up Steam. Oh, now Steam needs to update. Oh, great. Okay, well, now the app needs to update. Okay, well, I'm getting on it. Okay, now I got to use a, a really bad VR keyboard that's more frustrating to use than a cell phone when it comes to putting in characters to try and, you know, get into a room. Now the other party's doing the same thing. I don't want to deal with all that. I just mm-hmm. want stuff to work. That's and all you I forgot the uh, the driver update that always yeah. happens. Yeah, oh no, oh no. <laughs> Oculus needs to update or, you know, you know, Steam VR needs to update my base stations for some reason. Right. And that's an exaggeration, obviously. But uh, there, yeah, there are I, so I many I... collaboration tools. It seems like every other day I open up Twitter and it's like, you know, Roomy VR. Somebody, somebody has a new product where it's like work in virtual reality. And it... I don't know about you, but back in the day, I used to try everything. I used to jump into something for at least half an hour just to, hey, what's this product do? How's it, you know, what's this do for VR? Now they're coming out at such a pace that there's no way I can keep up. You know, I I try to stay on top of what's going on, but I don't, I don't honestly meet in VR very much. Uh, If I meet somebody in VR, generally it's, it's hubs or it's in a private session inside of VR chat or a similar application to just sync mm-hmm. up with somebody and say hi. Obviously, I'm in Wave VR a lot. I mean, I, it's, it, your listeners might not know, but I've been a res- resident DJ uh, for Wave. Uh, well, it started off as Wave VR, then it was Wave XR. Now it's just Wave for the last couple of years. I have a, a, a biweekly show that I've been doing. And that, you jump in, you know, there's always people in there. What attracted me that was it was one of the most friendly atmospheres i'd been ever been in in vr everybody was just happy and amazing and great to talk to and just wanted to see cool stuff and listen to music and that attracts a very certain type of crowd and they're kind of laid back and fun to be around i would say wave is probably the tool that i've done the most collaboration and uh use the inexperienced tools to build things with other people and for myself uh, inside of vr where i'm actually controls on the hands manipulating vertexes texturing doing all types of things importing stuff from google poly building scenes and stages in vr so would you want to use that as a business tool for meeting no probably not Uh, but it does work very good for it and of course you've seen waves been in the news recently because they've they they've been focusing on streaming lately where they stream to youtube and tiktok and twitch and all this with these major uh music industry people that uh that they built they have an entire team uh, that builds uh, custom avatars, custom scenes. And when the person does the show, they're facially tracked, all their motions tracked. If you saw Lindsay Sterling playing the violin, they had trackers on her violin. So, yeah, so you, every time she moved the bow, it, that was her moving the bow in real life. So that stuff's getting really, really good. But uh, to circle back around to the question before I went rambling, hubs and Discord are probably the two things that I use the most. I just had a meeting with the Wave resident DJs yesterday. We use Discord. What do you use? What do you, what do you tend to go for? I've seen quite a bit on Altspace, and I have gave a talk, a presentation while in Altspace, mm-hmm. and that was a pretty neat experience. Yeah, I, think I, was, I was there for that. Oh, were you? Yeah. yeah, I was sitting in the back of the room. I remember. <laughs> yeah, that was about the time we were both working on Sumerian. 
and you were active on that. And that's, and yeah, so I think I saw you mention something about that. So I hung out in the back of the room. With you. Ah, okay. Yeah. Like you, you wonder how these experiences will be like when you're doing a webinar, you have no contact with anyone. You have no idea who's watching you. It, you know, it's very difficult to present. But if you go into VR, like you were saying, people are immersed. They can't just yeah. watch something else. I mean, they can just leave. And sometimes that's really awkward, especially if they have. Oh, headset, they take the headset they take off, it off. Body just flops over. Yeah. <laughs> Ragdoll. Oh, I guess I'm boring. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I've experienced that firsthand. So before we go, I want to yeah. thank you for joining us on Get WebXR. Hey, and no if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, if you just Google BrainFizz VR LLC, it brings up my business. Um, also on Twitter, I'm at BrainFizz VR on Twitter for the corporate side of things. And I'm at Mike, M O I K E underscore the underscore squid on Twitter as well. Uh, I don't have a Facebook account anymore. So, okay. <laughs> so Maybe that's episode two. <laughs> yeah. Twitter's the best way to get a hold of me. Yeah, drop me a note. I mean, I do like helping people. I do like collaborating on projects. Uh, I work with, um, you might know James Beku from the Janus days, Janus VR and James McRae. Both, they used to work on that product. I, I sync up with them a lot on uh, WebVR, WebXR stuff. I, I'm still in the habit of calling it WebVR. I haven't made that official transition yet. And I'm always hanging out in the Sumerian, Amazon Sumerian Slack. So if people generally need help with Sumerian, which is a lot of what I work in, I, I tend to be in there as well. But yeah, drop me a note, drop me an email, shoot me a text, uh, DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open. Uh, if you have any web VR, web XR questions or just help or VR stuff in general, always happy to give a poke where I can. Also, I should mention I am in the VR Discord, the big virtual reality Discord. That It's got like 25,000 members. And there's a couple hundred people active every day. I hang out in the strictly VR general tech and tech advice channels in there and try to help people out as they come in. So since, yeah, yeah since we're all shut down and I can't just go to SVVR meetups and help people out with uh, their VR issues, I try to give back this way by doing it virtually online. The community is really what it's all about. You had mentioned. Uh, VR's got the best community, the best. Yeah. I mean, folks want to help. Yeah. The, the more people we get creating things, the better. Yeah. And a lot of what you get when somebody comes in and says, hey, I'd, I'd like to start making a VR thing. I've never done it before. And what do I need? What do I get? Instead of people going, oh, well, you know, you're going to have to do blah, 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 and, and you don't have the computer. No, people actually go, OK, well, check it out. You know, these tools are free. Here's some YouTube instructional videos. Unity's here. UE4 is here. You can do WebVR. Here's A-Frame. Here's, you know, here's a ton of information. And we're always going to be here to help you out. That's how it's always been since I got into this. And uh, that's a lot of what makes me stick around. Not only do I love the tech, but I love the people that I meet, too. All right. Thank you very much. No problem, Kirby. <laughs>